Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Goyer. Hey, Chris. Darn right. It sounds like spring in Austin. Is there a oh, little you birds got chirping? birds chirping. I got the grass is green. Uh, we had snow last week, but now we don't have snow. Now it's 70. So. <laughs> Yes. It's going to be 70 here, too, which is freaking unheard of for Whoa. this time of year. That's kind of bad for skiing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know how. It, I mean, it's probably not great, but, you know, the mountain weather is very different than the, the oh, down yeah, here weather. It stays up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, altitude. That's an old altitude. Yeah. Mm. That'll do Ooh, it. I'm selecting text in our shop talk. Did you see they uh, they released, they said, oh, you know, m- remember how selecting text used to like suck between blocks kind of because. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. as soon as you move to a second block, it like selected all of all of both blocks. And you're like, oh, that's not how selecting text is supposed to work. And now it doesn't. Now it's all like in the notion. Now it's good. Notion improved. This is great. Yeah. That's a really like under the covers improvement that is kind of a big deal because it affects how people like overall feel about the product, even though if if they can't put a finger on it like I just did. Like yeah, you might be annoyed by it and not really be able to articulate why you're annoyed. You know, it's interesting. It's because it's like text is like a continuous stream. And we had paragraphs to break up the text. But like in as a computer programmer, I know what's going on. Like a that paragraph is another block. Like that's another entry in the database or another line, another uh, whatever, comma, angle bracket in the JSON, you know. <laughs> But and then to select, be able to select text across two components fluidly, that's kind of a, I don't know. Minor I can see miracle. why they, I see it is a little bit like I'm selecting half of one piece of data and half of another piece of data. It's weird, but they pulled it off and that's good. I think that this is going to be a overall improvement for them. It reminds me a little bit of some new APIs coming to the web as far as text selection, you know, because there's a, we've had, like, let's say there's no, dom wrapper around you know like dave rupert's the text is just sitting in the dom and you want to highlight the word rupert you can't really you have to um put a span around it or something style the span yeah yeah um but you can style it a little bit like you can use colon colon selection and css and then say background orange or whatever and then if i manually highlight Rupert, it will be orange. Right. And then through JavaScript, you can tell the browser, hi, hey, I want to programmatically select between these two text ranges of this element. So there's some of that possible. But all that stuff is rather complicated. And well, and uh, there's even the the new thing where you like go colon or pound colon text colon equals squiggly or what's the the chrome oh, text selection the url thing? the yeah, url version of would, it that would yeah. select some text that's a little weird i i only know that I, i'm only thinking about because i looked at you know there's been a lot of safari drama lately right hot drama mm, um, indeed but but i was like what's missing what are people mad that's missing in safari <laughs> it's just in and tech the the and it just so happens that the url whatever text hash or whatever that is that's called the the like deep linking to text selection is yeah a missing oh, people feature. don't look oh but it's not even spec i don't think i think chrome just invented that and said here's a thing that happens in chrome because it, it doesn't feel like a thing that maybe needs to be standardized although don't quote me on that maybe yeah, it should I, I think there's a spec but i also like it's so clumsy sometimes i don't know like i go to a url and it's like all there and i'm like no i don't want my old search terms in this url I- oh right the back button it affects that because it's a url thing yeah yeah but yeah and i would never share a link like that i don't think because unless it's just a context that i don't care that much about but i don't know that i'd put it in a blog post and expect it to work because obviously it's not cross-browser compatible all that much you know yeah yeah yep oh that's tricky but if it really was a strong standard maybe i would but I definitely prefer to link to something more old school, like a ID hash or whatever. But so, are you saying there's going to be some kind of like, like, I don't know, like colon colon highlight this sort of API? Kind yes. Of thing? Oh, really? CSS is involved, but JavaScript is involved too. I just read an article about it. It's not published yet on CSS Tricks, but it's from Patrick Brosset. Brosset. 
you probably you know him because in our video where we, you did the select menu drop down with the browsers, that was like his original demo. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so. he's just involved in open UI stuff and open UI is behind this too somehow. Some maybe I, I don't know, maybe I, well, I've missed a few meetings, but I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Related. Okay. Well, that that's interesting. And what it enables, it means that you could build for example a search and replace mechanism on a website uh-huh. without uh-huh. without it would be easier than it is now. Yeah, let's yeah, say. yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, there's also like, um, I wonder if this is all related, but there's, there's like, um, grammar and spell check. Like we have spell it check, is t- right? It's a hundred percent related. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause like there's spell check coming or that exists like in a form, you can add like a spell check attribute, I think. And it'll like do red squigglies under there. Um, but I think that only kind of works cause forms are weird. Um, but I think it's like coming to, div content editable soon too you know or, or oh like, i didn't know that it wasn't there yeah that's interesting it so. should be there because it's a it's a strong feature of and i think that comes from the os mm-hmm. more than yeah. the browser I think. yeah because i think the browser has to the browser is not going to ship with the big grammar engine i, I don't think but <laughs> i think that's going to just tie into some kind of Whatever, yeah. you know, Windows or Macs. But there's like, a lot of value there because you want you want your you want it to work natively and you want stuff like Grammarly to work and stuff and you want things to be able to hook into it and all that stuff. Yeah. Very valuable. And because, in fact, when you're in a situation that doesn't have it, you gotta be careful. Because this is something I want. Like I'm I write blog posts in Notion. That's kind of my flow now. Like Notion, markdown export, go to VS Code tidy it up but in that tidying up phase i do a um i do grammar checking and like remove the word just it's a weak meaning you know or can weaken meaning yeah right right right. i try to i try to catch all the ones i can i obviously if you've read my blog i don't but (laughs) the but i try to catch them all and and just kind of clean up my passive voices and stuff like that. I would love that in notion. I would love like a grammar check in notion that I could turn on or Grammarly or whatever, just some sort of like Microsoft has this edit, edit editor, Microsoft editor product Mm. thing. I would love that in notion. And it would be cool if there was a web API or something that just made that easy, you know, and you didn't have to, yeah. You know, futz around. So I was just seeing that some third party somebody made a VS code for Grammarly. I like Grammarly, but I could I I don't know that much about them. It, they always seem like on the verge of of going of going slimy or something because there's a lot of upsell action going on in there, there and whatever. I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but uh, it it is like they give you the hard sell real quick, right? They're like. Great. Did you see how I fixed your grammar? It's thousand dollar, a hundred dollars yeah. or something a year. And you're like, what? Like, yeah. I write enough that I don't remember if I paid it or if I used their affiliate program or, or something, but I don't, I don't like get a bill for it at the moment. Okay. But I, and, and it really does help me. So mostly I want to shake their hand and be like, thanks for making my posts better. Cause it like yeah. works within the WordPress block editor where I do most of my writing and all that. Okay. What I wanted to say though, isn't it a shame? Well, what I was going to say is there's a third party that adds that functionality to VS Code. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, yeah. It it turned out to me I couldn't really get it working right, which was a shame. Because in that context, which is not a text area, VS VS Code uses Monaco internally, which is like Code Mirror-esque thing. You know, it's like their version of it. It's very much like let's replicate text editing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's no text error in the way. It's very much hand rolled functionality, and because it is, spell check just doesn't work really. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably various answers to it. There's a very, very popular spell checking plugin for it that I use, but the UX of it is totally like bespoke to VS Code. You know, you get a squiggly, and then there's a little light bulb that shows up in the drawer or the gutter area and you click the light bulb and the light bulb has a context menu of possible word replacements it works okay i'm glad i have it but you kind of gotta it's just it you don't have the same muscle memory as you do as everywhere else on the web that gives you this red squiggles and whatever right the yeah it's it's like very 
it's is it right good linter is that what it is i think that's what i use but um uh right dash good dash linter um you mean specifically for vs, for VS code? code that's what i use and it gives me the same block and then i use the uh what is it error error hints or whatever where it highlights the whole paragraph if there's a problem anyway it's pretty cool uh error lens is that's it that's it so it's like it's like big beefy like hey you messed up so Anyway, I like it. It's a good combo. But yeah, it's not an, it doesn't feel like a text editor. It feels a lot like a code editor that's doing text <laughs> linting or something. Yeah, it, it's like failing rules. And so, yeah, I was thinking about it the other day, I was thinking about the like, you know, when I'm old, here's what I'm going to do. And I just was like, I think Ooh, there's, I, yeah. I, this is like the not money-making plan. <laughs> I've got a money-making plan and I've got a lot of non-money-makers, but it's like a VS code for, for static sites. Like, like you basically just open it and you get access to, you tell it like this, I'm going to open the project, but it's VS code for content editors, I guess. So it's just like a, you open the project and you get a list of markdown files. You say the markdown files are in these folders and it only shows you those folders. It doesn't show you the rest of the cred. Like mm. maybe there's some NPM run start is the only like, like thing you need to have on your system, you know? Uh, mm. But then it just, so it's a you, UI play. Like it makes it, it just gives for, you a really good UI for editing for documents. Yeah, for writing documents and and organizing them and re, you know, maybe that could be trouble like rearranging stuff, you know, like but mm-hmm. I just that's what a what a powerful <laughs> tool, you know what I mean? Like uh cuz there's just so much like it's such an unfriendly environment and then you could even like, you know, I, you could even come up with like how would you teach people about branches and like, you know, not just, you know, you don't want people to be like save, deploy changes. You maybe you do, but like maybe it's yeah, like maybe. deploy preview or something. I, you know, there's there's some UX that kind of has to happen there. But I think of that because I just used the like Netlify CMS the other day because I I have a couple of static sites I I put it on absolutely ages ago and I'm so glad I did because sometimes when I want to go like add a conference to my conference site or whatever I don't mm. really I don't really want to like pull it down from VS code, make sure I have the latest changes, you know, make sure I'm on the right node version because the chance of running NPM run dev working is getting lower and lower on old projects. <laughs> right, right. And and all that. But I don't have to. I just go to slash admin right on the web. I Thankfully, I installed Netlify CMS. I have a UI for blah, blah, blah. I put that stuff in there, which is could be a Dave-esque, you know, what if you redesign something like that? But with a stronger focus on actual content creation. Yeah. You know, slap Gutenberg in there or something. I don't know. You maybe no, you don't like yeah. that, but yeah. Well, no, and then, something like that, you know, just some kind of, but they have this thing in the top that says, what status is it? Is this a draft? Does this need feedback? Does this, whatever, is it published? Is it unpublished? You know, make it have a kind of a workflow. You know, we also use gather content for, for stuff. And that has that kind of vibe too, where it's, design for workflows right right because you need like an editorial flow like this is in a draft this is final draft this is published or what you know like yeah and and the the point of a lot of those is that they don't make those statuses for you you make those statuses so it works for any workflow not some predetermined workflow yeah you know uh over in the uh discord uh Andrew and Alex, uh, who worked for We Are Trina, Trina, um, they kind of did. Alex did a live stream over on his Twitch about um, they they basically made a Nuxt to Netlify CMS uh, bridge, like like they figured out a way to render Nuxt inside the Netlify CMS editor, which is kind of wild. Be- and it sounds like what's the big deal? The big deal is the Netlify editor is a React app. So like, <laughs> you know, how do you turducken the uh, like the whole view Nuxt app webpack situation inside the React app? They ended up kind of using like iframes. I can put a link to the... Uh, oh, iframes. Uh, yeah. I was uh, going to say, isn't that what micro front ends were? Everybody was so hot micro, on it for Yeah. And like you configure uh, Nginx to put in one friggin' whatever slice of code. Yeah. 
yeah, I somebody tried to sell me on that, and I was like, probably not. But um, <laughs> anyway, it was uh, yeah. Well, then what do you do once you have it in there? Well, then like what what comes back from Netlify is a big JSON dump, right? And so that's what your your like page comes back as, it, or like the component in the preview. It sends like this big JSON that says what the block type is or what. And then, mm. so you basically have like a four blocks and blocks render, render this. And so then you have to write your own like components, like a block. Uh, I think he had um, like an image block and a markdown block that just renders out the markdown and markdown it or whatever. And then you could, you can add oh. custom blocks. There's probably like a, I'm trying to like, there's, I and think part I, of it is the previewing ability, right? So, yeah. Otherwise, I don't think you get that. Not if I does CMS doesn't concern itself with that problem. Right? Yeah, Netlify basically just says, well, it has a React app, so they're like, whenever you go through the tutorials or whatever, they're like, just make a React component that renders out the page, you know, or like use import your React components and do a big oh. bridge. If your Hylia Andy Bell's thing uh, has some examples of like how it kind of works, but but he's using you know, handlebars templates, I think, or nunjucks templates. So you have to like compile the nunjucks into react. It's like a big gross, uh, thing you don't really want to do. Um, so it's not like a big deal, but it's just like, makes it hard. You know what I mean? It's like, not as like, not where you want it. So it's it's like um, crossing this, crossing the river stuff, you know, that never, that never really feels good. you know, yeah. So anyway, they figured out a way to do it with iframes and post message and stuff like that. So uh, the, in theory, you hit save the React app, then you tells the Nuxt iframe, "Hey, go, <laughs> go. Uh, here's the new data," and then, then the Nuxt iframe just reacts and sets a variable and yeah, uh, resets it. So you don't have to care about previews, you know, in a way like you, like, for example, on your site, I know you don't necessarily use Netlify CMS. I'm sure you don't, but you could just use it to write. Like, I don't care. I just make some markdown and I use it to put the magic of it is that when you push, it's not, doesn't touch any database or anything. It just makes a git commit and right. bl- blast it out. And I trust my super simple template that I don't even need a preview. I don't care. <laughs> but but then Netlify will build a preview for you just by virtue of it being Netlify. Absolutely, too. yeah. Like, and that's I mean, like Netlify can, you know, it, like you don't have to use the Netlify CMS. You 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 can just write in your Markdown editor, and that's where I'm kind of going with this. Like, I don't know, VS Code for content editors kind of thing. Like, it would just be cool to have that, and it would be cool to have different linters. You know, like there's Grammarly to fix your grammar. Hemingway to fix like the level of speech you're at. Like this is way too complex. This is way, this is simple because this is for USA today readers. Yeah. Cause that's what we do at, (laughs) at, um, I don't work on it actively, so I shouldn't say that's what we do, but over at accessibility project, we kind of set out with like, it's an eighth grade reading level. Like that's where Mm -hmm. we're targeting, you know, if you and so articles kind of have to fit that metric. If they're way too complex or way too academic or way too out there, then we kind of miss the mark. We're trying to make it simple so we could just kind of agreed on like an eighth grade reading level. So something to think about. So uh, awesome, awesome. God, there's a lot to think about there. We're like three rabbit holes deep at this point. This podcast now is a liability because every time we get on here, we, we start making companies and it's just, uh, it's just a problem. So this episode of shop talk show is brought to you in part by notion. Learn more and get started at notion.so. It's this wonderful app that I couldn't possibly recommend more to use. Uh, for essentially writing documents, but it's so much more than that. It can be a place for your Kanban boards, for project planning and meeting notes and calendars and, and notes of any kind. You know, you know, a little side thing I see people doing a lot is like writing out a quick document, which will look beautiful because Notion looks great, making it public and then using it as like a job posting website, like a quick way to get a URL to share with the world that says, hey, we're hiring, that kind of thing. Their sharing model is so great at any given page and it can be nested as deep as whatever, you can kind of just mark as public, little toggle switch, and then share that with anybody who wants to see it on the internet. 
Uh, and But what's cool about that is it doesn't have to be totally public. Another way you could do it is like type in an email address and invite somebody to the document, either just to see it or to have right access to it and collaborate with you on it. So it's a great collaboration tool in that way. For example, we have like a show calendar for this show and we invite collaborators even from outside the Shop Talk Show organization to collaborate on the calendar, like our editor and our sponsors and stuff. So we can all have this shared understanding of what's happening with the show. Notion really enables workflows like that. It's so cool. Thanks for the sponsorship. Notion, that's notion.so. Well, we mentioned some Safari drama stuff. You could probably cover that a little bit, but I do have a way to boil down the question for you that I'm curious how you would answer it is that what do you, there's, there's this fact, right? That on a iOS or iPad OS device, specifically those two, you cannot run a browser that's not mobile Safari. And I know there's some nuance between whether it's like the real mobile Safari or some like sandbox one that you use in apps, but they're all mobile Safari and they support what mobile Safari supports for the, for the most part. There is no real Chromium. There's no Firefox. There's no literally anything else, although those are the other main two that anybody would want anyway, as, uh, as far as today I'm concerned. Okay, I've spoken too much. Why, you know? Like, Apple has never said why, as far as I know, like straight from the Apple's mouth, clear language, this is why we only support mobile Safari on iOS, even though they could support other rendering engines. All I want to know is the why. And since they're not going to tell us, apparently, what do you think is why? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Apple is tight-lipped, right? Like, we know that just about Apple in general, Uh, iPhones, iPods. Uh, the mixed reality, the Apple car, they're really type lipped about all this stuff. Um, remember Apple car? We never got Apple car. That's just too bad. Uh, and Apple TV was supposed to be a whole TV in it. Wasn't it? Anyway, Steve Jobs said he solved TV. Um, so in the app store review guidelines, rule 2.5.6 apps, that browse the web must use the appropriate WebKit framework and WebKit JavaScript. Yep. That's it. Um, so the reason there is a, a singular browser on iOS is because of this rule. And I think if I'm going to guess, I mean, we can't be naive to business <laughs> decisions, you know, like, uh, especially at, no. at the time, we'll make that case. What's you know? the business reason? Well, I mean, it, it's purely like a, okay, I'm going to, this is tinfoil hat, tinfoil hat yep. time. Yep. Uh, everyone put on your tinfoil hats at home. I think there is, there's a weapon of warfare, uh, corporate warfare where you can undermine Google's tracking business by having a browser that does not allow tracking. I think there's like a, a business there, right? Like a, a potential way to do corporate warfare. I think back in the day, in the context in which Steve jobs outlined this and kind of put his foot down on this flash was a big friggin' deal. And he knew if another browser shows up and gets on here, the first thing they're going to do is implement flash. And that's terrible for our phones. It's terrible for our business. It doesn't work. Um, like it's just going to nuke the phones entirely. So I think like, and create a bunch of security problems, all of Apple's like, I think there's, there's some data about the flash and the Apple thing, but like, it's something like 60% of all security problems on Mac OS at one point or uh, whatever mm-hmm. OS nine OS 10 OS nine was purely was because of flash. So like this was an insecure thing that got on the system. I, I don't sue us for libel or whatever. <laughs> this is just <laughs> some speculation and some uh, bad regurgitation of facts. So uh, everyone. Okay. So there's, there's a sec- it could be security. It could be the second they open the door and say other rendering browser rendering engines can exist on this platform. Internally, they're saying there's security problems there. We have opened a door on our own hardware and platform 
to security issues and we don't want to do that. So we're not going to do that. Because you, you basically, you, you give like root level access to a browser. I mean, and it is a, a browser is something that can execute code, JavaScript, like executes third-party code, JavaScript. Like, so you open up a big attack vector by allowing a browser that is bad to execute JavaScript. So think about your mm-hmm. credit card, your <laughs> contact book, your everything just going out the window, you know? So I'm sure, you know, if you're on Team Chrome, you might say, no, no, it doesn't for X, Y, Z reason. I don't know what those reasons are, but maybe you could see somebody having a back and forth argument about that. Um, okay, so that's a that's a possibility. There's there's like a security issue there. And it kind of then, doesn't it become Apple's problem then? Like, the, the, do they have to sandbox it in a special way? Does it does it produce a bunch of work, which is a business reason? Like, if we're going to allow this, we need to hire 38 people to be on the other browsers other than ours review squad. Right. Or something, you the know? security, the security task force, you know, which I'm sure they have that. But, um, yeah, I think it would probably be a lot of work to... Open like, the door. Open the door to a high profile thing. But I, I you know, that's I'm I'm just again that's kind of one. brainstorming. I mean, I I know like Chrome could like like, hey, we're good at security and stuff. Microsoft is too. Like we we can put a we know how to put a browser on a phone. It's certainly not their goal, right? It's not like Google's goal, like I can't wait till they allow our rendering engine on there. We're gonna do nefarious crap. Although I'm some I'm sure some people think that. I would think yeah. You know, largely that's not the goal of anybody working on it. They they just want more capability and coolapes.eth. The web browser is super excited for my business. <laughs> really wants that door open, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I, there is, I I think there's a potential big problem. And so like uh, I, I yeah like Google and Microsoft let's say isn't there like, precedent though like does Android runs Firefox the real one is that a big problem and that could just be the the way they have it containerized or whatever cuz cuz they have this idea of intents and you offer up a browser intent and the hmm. so any app you use just says don't use my browser use the browser intent the user has and and use that so there's a a bit of a, I guess a maybe some technical things that wouldn't be supported. But I think what my can I this is maybe my like big do thought it. here. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, and let me actually hold on before I do the big thought. I do have a big thought. There, there is actually kind of some irony here, and part of the reason this is all very excited right now is because. There was a unfixed index DB bug that went on for months, right? And that was in Safari that was leaking private data if you used index DB. Thankfully, index DB is not a heavily utilized feature, partly because it didn't work in Safari for a very long time. But the, but index DB mm-hmm. is not a heavily utilized feature. So it was that's hopefully okay. But I think a lot more apps are trying to see how it fits in their their whole and if the, if you assigned that a 10 out of 10 big problem for the web for you that was the thing you you could say then yeah, at least users should have had some kind of choice to hop knowing that this bug existed to hop over to another browser where it's not a problem and they didn't have that choice and there's the argument the capitalistic you know freehand of the market argument that because there is no browser other browser apple was not incentivized to fix it faster you know they're the the competition breeds innovation or, or I think you could make the argument the other way that, Oh crap, we have to fix this really fast because we're the only option on, you know? Yeah. And, but that's, I think the thing idea there is it did not get fixed very fast or um, Safari has increased their release cycles. I think people still think it comes out once a year. That is not true. If people th- still think Safari is coupled to iOS and Mac OS updates, that is not true. It updates independently now. It just happens that like people tend to like, oh hey, my phone's yelling at me about an update. I should update, you know, or or your computer or whatever. So uh, there's, I think people they are decoupled. So Safari can release stuff. I think there's just still like 
a lack of communication about when that thing is going to come out and be fixed. Like Apple doesn't, they're not on a six week, we're releasing Chrome 100 and, you know, in on April 13th, 2022, you know, they're not that company. They don't do that. So we don't know when the fixes come. So that if there's anything I want, it's just like a schedule. (laughs) It's like a rough roadmap, you know, Q1, Q2. I don't know. Um, okay. 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 But yeah, the big thought, right? There's a lot of people mad, and there's a lot of people directing their anger, and and people are. I wrote a blog post. I can talk about that in a bit. But oh, this is great. But yeah, let's do let's do that after but, your big uh, thought here. Like, a lot of people are directing their anger at Safari people. I'm not trying to hold water for the, the Safari team, but people are like, like, you know, Safari needs a webkit needs to open up, blah 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 blah. They don't, they don't control that, man. This is an app store review guideline. That's a different part of the company. You know, WebKit can like go to their bosses and say, we shouldn't exist anymore, or we should just <laughs> open the door. Okay. Who makes that decision? Alt- like Tim Apple does it. Tim Cook has to make that decision. And guess what? Like Tim Cook's like famous for creating a <laughs> aluminum monopoly so like like he like bought up all aluminum on earth and that's like his claim to apple fame like probably not him he's probably not the guy who's gonna open up the big platform you know like i just i don't think yeah it doesn't seem like it'd be like okay internally make the case for it and making the case for it's like it's not gonna you'd be hard pressed to make it i would think internally like it's not. It'd be like this is g- abstractly good for the web. It'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know, it seems like it's more. It has more trouble than it's worth. I, I, I would think that that's exactly what it is. Is that you just can't get a yes from anybody because the value of it seems pretty low. Meaning that I think the people that are really pissed about it aren't interested in that angle. They're not trying to appeal to Apple. They're trying to appeal to laws. Because I think this this gets changed, and I think there's starting to be precedent for this that Apple changes stuff based on, you know, legal rulings. And and I think that is 100% the route it should take. And, and unfortunately, you know, it is it's big lawsuits that are going to take a lot of time. Like you have to prove a monopoly. You know, um, I still mm-hmm. don't know if we know all the details from the Apple Epic ruling where Epic kind of put their foot down. You know, and said we don't. You know, it would take something like Facebook or, you know, this is probably a bad or Gmail just saying we're not going to render Gmail on iOS devices. We're not connecting to iOS devices, you know, like something like big like that to to be like Apple's monopoly on the browser is impacts our business, like, you know, impacts the features we can roll out. But can I say another thing? Yeah, I got more. <laughs> I'm like rolling here. I've put a lot of thought in this. Um <laughs> Let's say, okay, Apple opens the door. Chris, tomorrow, any browser can be on. Ta-da-da. Right. We don't get PWAs. That doesn't happen. Because there's a new browser on the thing that can't just install apps by itself. Like, there's no, that's an OS feature. So you you have to appeal to the right. OS. That, that's the operating system. That's the App Store. It doesn't like, mean we get push notification, native push notifications immediately. We don't get that. No. We don't get that because that's an OS feature. Right. You you have to talk to the people in the OS. Like that stuff doesn't just show up day one just because we open the door. It, it's mm-hmm. it has to like there's there's shearing layers of of Do you want it though? Do you think it's a good idea or man at this point give me a uh get rid of the Apple touch icon, please, and then <laughs> give me the mm-hmm. uh, get in and give me a way to trigger an install prompt. It doesn't even have to be an an OS native install prompt. Like, give me the before install prompt event so I can pop up in my own install prompt in a new dialog element, which they now support, which is radical. I can do my own install, and if they click OK, it goes to the home screen. That's all I want. I just like give me a way, you yeah. know. So you're kind of you've lowered your expectations and the and getting get, getting alternative browser rendering your engines is kind of not on the list anymore. I mean, like, no, 
I mean, if I can just get like, like I'm more interested in, I mean, that's part of it. Like, I, I think like, I think there does need to be competition. I think would get better because there was, I will say a dearth of features and development in Safari land for a long time. You know, it, it got pretty far behind. Mm-hmm. I think it has done a great job in the last year or two years catching up. Um, if I look at it on paper, you know, and even right. like looking at the like stuff Safari does not support list. Um, a lot of it is is Fugu stuff that they've just said like straight up we're not doing, like we're not doing web MIDI. Sorry, yeah, you know, and so that's a big bummer for my MIDI business. I'm also starting, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 my MIDI based okay. controller. So then, then, what about yeah. this idea that like what if what if the experience is worse? You know, we don't have Flash anymore, but let's say. The day they open the door, and I'm mostly thinking about Chrome here because that's the dominant player, right? They're going to mm-hmm. get the in, they're going to get the installs. First of all, browser diversity takes a, even more of a nosedive than it's already been, right? Because the only thing that happens there is there's less Safari users and more Chrome users, right? So <laughs> obviously, that yeah. internal conversation at Apple is not great either. So if you really want browser engine diversity, it feels weird. It, it almost feels like kicking not allowing chrome on the platform is actually better for browser engine diversity which is weird but you know because it's exactly backwards you know you'd think like give choice that is diversity well choice in this way leads one direction leads to monoculture yeah i mean there's i mean i think we know how the numbers would shake out you know i mean i mean quite literally right now there's Four, three apps I have to use Chrome on. It's this one, Riverside <laughs> FM, which we are in right now, Zencaster, and Roll20, also like, which is just a D&D app, whatever, but it has a voice comm thing. It, it will, it yells at me if I use a browser other than Chrome. I, mm-hmm. I can still use it, but it, it still has a warning that's like, you should be using Chrome. Yeah. I'm using Chromium. Man, we lived through some years where that, that would have been like, national news in the or whatever the, yeah. like early 2000s yeah dude it would just be like breaking news yeah riverside sucks no <laughs> yeah but or people just would have waggled their fist a lot harder than they oh, do now. yeah there'd be 10 tech crunches about it so yeah okay well that was all very interesting stuff i i don't i don't even know how i feel about it. i'm kind of a collector of opinion i mean some part of me obviously is like dude yeah apple come on like you know it feels like a good choice to have different rendering engines but I, but i can I, I just can see how freaking complex it is you know even in my own little business making some kind of choice is like we don't just wing it there's got to be a case made for it you know you have yeah. well like what if somebody i don't know this is kind of a hard one to do but like i'm trying to think of like a technology code pen couldn't support or like would be a backflip to support or something, wow, you know, PHP. <laughs> yeah. You have to support PHP in code pen, Chris. Yeah. Like the government. Oh, like the, there's, there's community outcry that says it. There's an, a swell against you because you do not support WordPress in, in yeah. code pen. What are you going to do? Yeah, right. And so WordPress is secure, Chris. Everyone, people work on it and it's super secure. The easy way to do it is just to like, (laughs) is just to go, put your fingers in ears and go, la, 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 la. I don't, I'm not even going to publicly respond to those questions. Right. Right. I mean, it's, there's just so much like, it's, and and I feel like people are yelling at the wrong people, like, WebKit, Safari, you need to like do this. And it's like, they don't control it, man. Well, that was your blog post, right? If you want something to change in browsers, and your blog post was probably more about like features and stuff. I want an existing browser to change in some way. Um, that was what your post was about, right? Like that, that your Twitter yelling is probably the least effective thing you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, my whole Twitter is just like people yelling about browsers right now, and and, I, and so part of it was like respond, and I'm giving. I'm putting everybody on notice here. Okay. This is, this is people on every browser. Um, it, it was very like, you know, I, I just, the level of discourse is very, very like, it, it just turns into finger pointing like, Oh yeah, well you didn't support web MIDI in like, you know, it's, it's just this like constant, like just old beef gets pulled up. Like I hear about Brendan Ike's like, 
hundred dollar donation to a bad idea in 2007, like every day. And it's just, I feel like it's groundhog day in, in like my feed. And so like, not that we shouldn't forget this stuff and, and like people, you know, but I just, I making, you have to make a mental health call for you yourself. Right. Yeah. Like calling, like yelling on Twitter doesn't do it. I mean, if it did, man, browsers would be great. (laughs) Like everything would be fixed, dude, you know? And then like, you know, people are always like, oh, it's the new IE. And I'm just like, that doesn't work, dude. Everyone just, every browser is the new IE. Every browser, especially in the next year when CSS all happens at different times, every browser is going to look like the new IE real quick, you know? Uh, And then you can yell about privacy. This was another point I made. Like, like, I think privacy is important, but people just go, oh, privacy, and then it's like, it does, it's not private. It's like, what do you mean by that? Like, if you just yell, like privacy is like this boogeyman that's going to come and steal your data. What do you mean by that? Like, is it trackers? Is it, you know, it might mean that like, I actually, I maybe don't agree, but I do appreciate like Laura Kalbag and Jeremy Keith's articles on, on CSS mm-hmm. tricks over the holidays. Uh, like, I'd like that they drew a line in the sand and they specifically said, nothing no third party you know mm-hmm. I, like but my thing is just like don't yell about privacy and say what that means specifically because otherwise chrome or safari is going to run off and define privacy for you don't let them do that <laughs> make a thing and my whole but my whole thing is just like blogging is like the way to do it because i've seen firsthand people at edge people at safari people at firefox people wherever they take your blog posts and they go run them up the flagpole and they say, look, this guy's having a problem or this girl's having a problem. Uh, they're having a problem with this. So like, let's try to fix this. I don't even think it's because it's a blog post. I think it's because it's, it's a, it's articulated reasoning. For sure. I'm sure. Right. I mean, it's, it's helpful that it has a URL and stuff, but I guess if it was a word doc they could send, they'd send that too. The point is that it makes the case. It's not just anger nugget. Yeah, it's not. It's not just a a turd in the stream of Twitter. You know, it's just it's, it's a it's a like I thought about this enough, and here's my reasons, and here's it. Like I know for a fact, CSS tricks articles are like cited on like spec things. You know, like like people are like, oh, this is a need. You know, like browsers are constantly looking for signals. Uh, whatever that means signals about what developers need and what authors need and what users need. So it's up to you to express those needs in in a way that's going to get some traction internally that they can show to their boss. You know, if you're just like support container queries, guess what? That person's boss, Tim cook is not going to be moved by that argument. You know, (laughs) he's laughing on his pile of a trillion dollars saying like, try again, you know, like it's just not going to work the same. Yeah. It's very different than saying like, Oh, I, I am, I'm working on a weather widget for this high profile website and we have to display it under these four different circumstances and it's a real challenge for us. And, you know, that, that, that type of thing is so you can like have an intellectual conversation about it, you know? Well, and and that too is like people can't people's brains, right? This is a people's brains thing. If you give somebody a big, this is bike shedding, basically. If you give somebody a big problem, they can't solve it. They'll start talking about what color to paint the bike shed at the nuclear power plant, right? Because you describe the the nuclear reactor and people are like, I don't know, but what color is the bike shed? Let's fight about that. People zero in on the thing they can fix. And so if you zero in on a fixable thing, it's probably going to get fixed. But if you're like, browsers need florps, you know, like... (laughs) What does that mean, dude? You know, like, what do you mean by that? So uh, th- there's, I don't know, in my opinion, I think there's just so much like we can do to actually get things fixed and progressed and move forward. So. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by WordPress.com. Excellent place to go spin up a WordPress website, if I don't say so myself. Done it many times. They have a brand new YouTube channel 
youtube.com slash wordpress.com where the .com is spelled out. Might as well head over there and subscribe if you do any kind of WordPress work. There's already all kinds of educational content there on how to make the most out of your WordPress site. And I know for a fact that they are heavily invested in this and going to make it a great place for like customer showcases, which are cool to watch because then you, you know, you see how somebody else builds their website. You see yourself in it. You see all the possibilities of what you might be able to do with your website. It's going to be awesome. Subscribe at youtube.com slash wordpress.com spelled out. It's like a weird like spectrum of yes, it's good to question things. And if you question too much, you've like gone too far down, you know, red string on the wall territory or whatever. I've seen plenty of this in people that email me and said, listen, I know you're the CSS guy. I've reinvented CSS. Here's a here's a GitHub repo. Nobody's ever seen it before. I've been working on it for four years. I've spent 790 billion hours on it, and I'm you're the first person that's going to see it. Here you go. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even going to look at it. You did. You took the wrong. <laughs> you took the wrong path here. You know, you really wrong for a really long time. I'm not trying to to crush your dreams, but like I can't be. I just I'm not going to be roped into this. This is there's there's no way that in isolation. You solved computers, <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever well, you know, and like the the way to get it, it's that's it is like you know it's like if you want to invent CSS nine thousand, you know you're fixing CSS. It's not to go out and invent a whole thing. It's to say it's CSS, but the one big rule change is uh, <laughs> the longest whatever the longest class name wins. You know, and like always, you know, and so it's like Z index for CSS rules or whatever. So like that, that's your one big rule change. Implementing that is actually way easier than like a whole new dialect, a whole new compiler, a whole new, you know, like style builder. Like you just have to, that's, that's kind of about knowing what's good and fast and cheap. You know, you have, you have to kind of like figure out what the possibilities are you have to choose you know yeah i want to give you extreme credit too for your the most deft clickbait i've ever seen you know he basically said before i die here's some (laughs) advice and then the first the first sentence is i'm not going to die but here's the rest of my blog post (laughs) i'm into it i'm going to do a thousand of these and i i want people to do a thousand of them as well because i just like you have those things, you're like, I've been thinking about this thing for my whole damn life. Like they're like my whole damn career. Yeah. Okay. So it, you can't just say, "Oh, before I die," uh, and then be like, "Oh, The Witcher's a good show." It has yeah, to be yeah, like yeah, connect. Yeah. It has to be connected to a long term thought. It has to be. Yeah, I think it, the format has to be to a long term thought. Just some some things you wanted to get off your chest for a long time. You, you've just been thinking about mulling over. Um, I've got another one about uh, criticizing technology choices. I think I'm going to put out some. I just there's there's quite a few. I don't know. You just see people criticize or experiences I've had too. Is just like here's one where I like I whatever made fun of something and that hurt the maintainer's feelings and now they don't talk to me anymore or you know mm, been so, there yeah and so you're just like. <laughs> Whoops, I talked about it wrong. So here's what I know. So yep. it's just sharing what you know. I mean, if I would love that, like for like somebody who does accessibility, like before I go, here's what you need to know about accessibility. You know, like, yeah. I was asking, I was probably a month ago now, but I was asking around on Twitter for those, if people have any of those, the favorite of those, like, here's 40 things I learned posts. And and there was some pushback, like, those are all dumb and bad, you know, because I think there's just general pushback to the, like, clickbaity format of that kind of blog post. But I actually met the exact opposite. I was like, <laughs> I like those because people don't write them every day. If you're writing one of those, you just it helped unlock your brain because you maybe don't write as much or something. And it has it has forced your hand into thinking philosophically about what you know. 
I actually like it as a format, you know, like maybe it's better to break up those 40 into individual blog posts so you can elaborate a little better. But if you don't have the time for that, I don't mind a good 40 things I've learned as 10 years and as a Python developer or whatever crap. I, I love it. I, I mean, like what's that book? 101 things I learned in architecture school or whatever, like as an architect and like, that's a great book. It's just a, it's good for web designers. I mean, it's just like a, here's what I learned. I learned how to draw a straight line. Like you have to go from top to bottom and that's the only way to draw a straight line. You can't do it left to right. Yeah. So it's just simple stuff, you know, like here's an idea of space in, in a building. It doesn't have to be, you know, you should put, build space into your architecture. And so it's just, I I like it. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, if you can, in, you know, if you can just kind of make a list, but what I don't like, can I say what I don't like? Let's I'm go. Listening, I'm listening to this book right now. It's called everything is figure outable. It's a self-help book. And I, I mean, I like the genre. This person, um, Marie, something is, it seems nice. Seems great. But the, the book is just kind of like, you know, she's like, I was not, you know, I, got a job out of college at wall street and then I didn't like it. And then I worked for an ad exec thing at a magazine and I didn't like it. And then I decided my job was going to be life coach. (laughs) And I'm just like, wait, wait, time out. Like, are you sure? (laughs) So she's really good at it. So it worked out obviously, but like, um, it's just kind of funny. Like, I, I think like, I think where I don't like the like 40 things I learned is when you've been learning Python for two weeks, you know, (laughs) like, I think I like it more from a like holistic big career perspective more. So I think like that's where it becomes way more valuable. So something you've been thinking about for a long time, not just two and a half weeks for the article, you know? So, right. Right. I mean, the extreme example I think of, is when people like look at an API for like one second and they're like, I wouldn't use that. And you're like, oh, I'm glad you, I'm glad in 30 seconds you haven't found a use case for this API for the entire internet. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 People just can like hop in real quick. They make a gut decision or what? Oh, shoot. We had some drama the other day. Like, uh, here's more hot drama. Chris hit the, hit the button. <laughs> Uh, PRs are bad guy on Twitter. Oh, we should have saved this for the next one. We're right uh, at the end we'll of the show. We'll save it for the we... next one. <laughs> we'll push it to the next because it is about a three-hour conversation about this. Yeah, stuff. but just it like is. okay, we'll push it to the next week. But like, there's just so many like people just like make these big epiphanies, and and I'm probably in that bucket too. But whatever, I I, I like these. I don't know. I like blogging, dude. Blogging's great. So. <laughs> All right, let's do some, we'll do some more user questions and and that on our next show. All right, we'll wrap it up. Thanks, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast or choice. Be sure to start our favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. Uh, And uh, join us on the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. And we have a YouTube over on the Real CSS Tricks YouTube channel. Uh, should be videos coming out there, although we haven't really planned that out, but we'll figure that out soon. So, all right. Uh, thank you, Chris. You got anything else you'd like to say? Uh, nope. Shopbuckshow.com.